I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana. Thanks for joining us for the podcast today, brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com slash ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. What does it mean to be rural in Montana? You know, to be one of those country kids. Today, we're going to talk to a Montana farm girl who launched a podcast to explore the essence of rural America. We'll dive into her conversations, including one about succession planning in eastern Montana. You know, as I think about that Sydney uh, sugar factory closing, and I, I heard the interview with, with my friend Jim Steinbeiser yesterday, who's grown for them a long time, and, and that's a complicated issue. I, I know there's some tensions there, but you think about a plant of that size and eliminating 300 positions, and granted, a lot of them are probably seasonal, but in a community of, I believe Sydney's a little over 6,000, ooh, and that business has been there over 100 years Man, that's going to have a huge impact on any community, but especially a rural community. And, you know, I, I, I'm excited to, to share with you a person who has, who really, she's an historian, she's a journalist, she's a writer, and she is highlighting what it means to be rural on her podcast, Reframing Rural. So I'm going to welcome her on the show, Megan Torgerson. She's originally from Dagmar, Montana. And yes, that is southeast of Plentywood. Uh, Megan, again, is a writer and journalist. She produces the podcast, Reframing Rural. Megan, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Courtney. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, and hi to everyone at home or in their trucks about to start their work day. I'm uh, really excited to be with you. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Tell me what, you know, I, I hear that uh, the name of that podcast, Reframing Rural, and I think, well, what what are we changing it from, or what what do you mean by that? And I, I know you were born and raised in Dagmar and, and have, have left for a while as well, so let's let's jump in there. What uh, what does that mean to reframe the rural conversation? That's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. I, I really believe that stories that we tell ourselves and each other um, have power and that how we think about rural really um, has real consequences. And so I think reframing comes from the idea that perhaps for urban audiences who might have stereotypes or misunderstandings about rural, that um, my podcast really looks at the human elements of, of living and working in our wonderful rural, rural communities. And so I'm reframing it for urban audiences as well as for rural audiences who might, you know, have said something like, oh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, or who might kind of think about their rural communities as um, as dying or potentially, you know, not as exciting as places in the city. Um, but I really believe that there's a lot of great things happening in rural as well. And that's really sad to hear about um, what happened in Sydney. Um, but so often we're highlighting um, narratives of despair and things that are really happening negatively in our rural communities. And so I try to highlight the good things that are happening and the people who are working really hard to keep their rural communities going. So I have to ask you, Megan, and, and maybe you can just share a little bit about 
uh, Dagmar and about your community. I, I loved, I listened to some of your initial podcasts and you really share yeah. some of the character and the culture. And, you know, one thing that I think about on Voices of Montana is, well, actually, let me just let me just comment. I went to the Montana Economic Update for the Business of Bureau and Economic Research last week, and they commented in there that Montana's net migration, so people moving here, was 3.3 times higher than the average in the last 20 years. So, you know, we probably have folks listening who move to Billings and think that Billings is rural America. So tell us, <laughs> or, or Bozeman, you know, tell us a little bit um, about your home community. Absolutely. And also some people think Billings is eastern Montana, but where I grew up is five hours east of Billings. <laughs> Thank um, you for saying that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Dagmar is um, an unincorporated community of about 30 people. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I grew up about 10 miles south on a farm and ranch that my family's had in our family for over 100 years. Um, and we're really close to Canada and really close to North Dakota. So, you know, really harsh winters and really hot summers, but I think that those kinds of extreme weather elements really bring the community together. So, you know, there's always people coming and helping with branding or helping to take care of your cows if you need to go away for a few days. There's really a great community spirit. Um, And, yeah, I went to uh, high school and school in Medicine Lake, which is 18 miles west of my farm, and that's a town of about 300 people, maybe a little bit less now, days and um, K through 12 was 100 kids when I was going to school there. So it's pretty small. It's pretty remote, um, but it's really beautiful. It's where, you know, Montana gets its name Big Sky Country from. It's it's really rural and people really love it. It, it takes a, um, I heard once that it takes a soul to love the prairie and um, it, it's just a really beautiful landscape in eastern Montana. So you said 100 people in your high school, K through 8, how, how many were in your class? Um, well, I was the only girl in my junior high class for three years, and then I ended up moving to Williston, North Dakota, to go to a little bit bigger of a school. But yeah, my class sizes ranged from about three to about um, eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, my my dad grew up in a in a country one room schoolhouse. I I went to Huntley Project, but I definitely I resonate with those um, with those thoughts of you know feeling like maybe. And I don't know really where it comes from. Maybe it's stories we're telling our kids somehow, but, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, we, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. We, that, that, that we are a little bit country or maybe don't have as many opportunities or, you know, things we, it's easy to focus on. Well, gosh, we don't have uh, gymnastics in our community. My daughter gets to go to gymnastics in Billings now. And I I think that's kind of a luxury compared to a lot of areas. But um, what do you, where do you think that comes from? Do you think it comes from stories passed down or, or is it just our like humble, humble upbringing? What do you think? (laughs) Well, I think that there is a story that's told about rural that in order to, to make it, you need to leave your rural community. Um, and I think we, as a culture, kind of um, venerate mobility, and we think that if you've moved around or lived in a bunch of different places, then, then you've acquired um, perspective. But I think that there's also a wealth of perspective and knowledge in in staying in your rural community. Like, I just think of my family who um, has really stayed in that area their their whole adult lives and how much knowledge that they have of even just, like, the landscape and, you know, really understanding the weather and how, you know, their, this creek didn't run as, um, didn't flow as, as much as it did the year previously, or, um, there's more mule deer now, or just, there's, there's a lot of knowledge that people have when they live really close to the land. And I think that that needs to be underscored and appreciated more. So that's, that's something that I, I work to do in my podcast as well. 
That's that's so cool. And again, the podcast is called Reframing Rural. You can find it on any of the of the podcast flat platforms. Um, I, I love your website, Reframing Rural, too, because you you have some summaries of the different podcasts. Could you share with us, and, and you've been doing this for three years now, so share with us some of the range of topics you have covered on uh, on your podcast. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So my first season was really a love letter to my hometown and featured a bunch of stories from Dagmar and the surrounding um, community. For instance, the first episode was about a, a wonderful woman in our community, Kim Rudningen, who works um, in environmental compliance in oil and gas, and she actually drives down about 80 to 90 miles one way to Sydney every day to work. And she's really active in the community, keeping the church going, you know, volunteering in different capacities in the community, and her and her family are just a really incredible asset to Dagmar. And then um, a couple other stories I shared was included um, an interview with Ralph Summers, who's our mailman, and he's a school bus driver and a taxidermist and a preacher. And he's just such a warm soul, and I'm so excited every time I go home that I get to see him. And then I also interviewed my parents and kind of talked about the history of our farm and how my family came from Norway to that area and um, how we've been working the land for, you know, as many years as we have. Um, and then in season two, I spoke with different rural advocates from the Red Ants Pants um, founder, Sarah Calhoun, who really talked about, you know, the importance of having pride in our rural communities. And um, she talked about the Red Ants Pants Music Festival and how that's really a celebration of rural Montana. Um, I also spoke with the rural sociologist, Ben Winchester, who um, popularized the term rural brain gain, which is a, t- a spin on rural brain drain. And he studies how people are moving to rural communities um, with a bunch of assets from like a career and different knowledge that they've gained and and kind of the um, tendency for people in their 30s with families to kind of move back to rural communities. Um, I also spoke with Jeannie Alderson, who's the former board chair of Northern Plains Resource Council, who's fighting the big four meatpackers and some journalists behind Montana Free Press's Common Ground series about the impact of regenerative agriculture on rural communities. Um, so you do these, dig into some sticky issues there, like the, the big four <laughs> meat packing. Yeah. That's complicated. <laughs> and there's, you know, there, there's a lot going on there. Um, it, and another one I noticed was on rural gentrification. I mean, that's complicated. Yeah, definitely. That's um, one of the latest episodes that I produced this season. And so this season I'm looking at land in really a straight uh, state of transition. And so, I'm looking at how can we keep family farm families on working lands and how can we keep family farms going. And one of the kind of threats that I see to that is rural gentrification where um, some land is being rezoned out of agricultural use. And so um, that, that was a story in Dover, Idaho, which is their economy was based on um, timber and they were a timber mill town. But, you know, we do see that kind of economic shift happening a little bit in Montana too. And so, that's kind of my interest in, in looking at rural gentrification is because I believe um, very strongly that we, you know, we need family farms and ranches. And um, so I'm looking at how can we keep those families working. And so, yeah, some other episodes I have too are, of course, on farm succession, which we'll talk about later today. And then I interviewed Sarah Vogel, who is the farmer's lawyer who helped um, a bunch of families during the 1980s farm crisis. And we wow. talked about what we can learn from that. And yeah. So, so I have to ask, do you think, and you know, I, I really feel like this rural urban divide and, and maybe it's more top of mind, you know, following the Trump administration and, 
and and kind of the news highlighting the differences between you know rural and and urban Americans and how they vote. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is amplified? Like, are these groups not talking, or are they not hearing each other? Like, what? What? Because you're a little bit trying to solve for this in your podcast. You're you're educating <laughs> both groups here. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, the urban rural divide is is really a kind of a catch all term for people people divided by class or by political affiliation. But I do think that they're what I'm what I'm trying to do is kind of highlight the common ground that we all share in terms of you know we're all hoping the best for our families and our communities. Um, I I think that there is some siloing that happens. Like it's it is you know you're probably going to talk to your neighbor more than you are going to talk to someone in a, a different town and. And so really, I'm hoping to kind of just let people in on some conversations that they might not be privy to if they don't live in Dagmar or they don't live in a small community. Um, but yeah, I think that's, it's a really difficult issue, and there is a lot of division in, in the country, but I think that there's, there's a lot of emphasis on that already. And so what I'm kind of trying to do is to share the ties that bind, if you will, and you know, we all really kind of have rural origins. We might be generationally removed, maybe... You moved to Seattle, but two generations back, your family homesteaded in Montana. So I think that people have interest in their history and in the rural communities that really support us all, that can grow our food and, you know, supply our energy. And so I'm really trying to highlight just the the connections that we have to one another. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring in one of Megan's guests. My friend Tanner Jorgensen is going to come in and, and we're going to further unpack what it means to be in rural America and what it means to succeed your family in rural America. That's all in Voices of Montana. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com slash ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. And we're back on Voices of Montana. This is your guest host for the day, Courtney Kibblewhite. We're talking today with Megan Torgerson, podcast producer, host, all of the above for Reframing Rural. Megan's been sharing some of the different topics she's covered and and one that I found particularly um, touching and man, something on all of our minds is is succession. And we just talked about that rural urban divide. I mean, succession is something that, uh, gosh, no matter where a family business is, uh, people have to deal with. So, so Megan, if, if you don't mind, would you introduce um, your neighbor, Tanner Jorgensen, and, and tell us a little bit about what your goals were in highlighting succession on your podcast? Absolutely. Um, so this season, I put together a story on farm succession that looked at both the succession of my family's farm as my, di- my dad retired from farming after the 2022 farm season. And then um, I also wanted to look at a family who has a son coming into the operation as um, I'm one of four girls, and none of us are stepping into the farm. We're going to be leasing out the ground to my cousin. Um, but I wanted to see what it looks like when you have um, the next generation stepping in and um, farming beside their parents. 
So I invited Tanner and his parents, Tom and Jandy, to be part of the podcast episode, and they graciously agreed and let me um, spend a, a day with them, kind of interviewing them at their kitchen table and going to a couple of their properties. And um, yeah, so Tanner is from North Dagmar, so about 17 miles north of my farm, but it's all kind of in the same community because, um, yeah, we're so rural. But, next door neighbor, um, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Next door neighbor. I think in the podcast podcast episode, he says, "I think I can see your farm from here." He's, we're up top of a hill, so that's awesome. Well, Tanner, welcome, welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. So, so Tanner, tell tell us a bit of your story because because um, Megan mentioned that you you went off to college and and you came back to your family farm. How long has your family been been farming there, and what went into your choice to to come back? Oh, let's see. We started, I guess my grandpa kind of started the farm in the 40s. Uh, my great-grandpa came over from Denmark and actually lost the place in the 30s, uh, the, the original homestead in the 30s. Uh, so we've been here for, I guess, 80 years now. Um, I went to college at MSU, and I went into ag business not really knowing. You know, I thought maybe I could go do a little bit of uh, loan officer work or something like that. Uh, kicked a few different ideas around about going and custom cutting or working somewhere else for a little while, but ultimately my heart was kind of set on coming home and came home after I graduated in 2018, and I've been farming ever since, I guess you could say. So I have to ask, Megan and I were talking at the start of the show about kind of having, you know, maybe a little bit of a complex about being a farm kid. Did you feel that going off to Bozeman that you know, not not that you're less than, but ooh, am I am I cool enough, or my or my clothes right, or or did you just shoot not care? Is that a, is that a girl thing? <laughs> I did not care one bit. I, <laughs> I love it. You know, there was a lot of ranch kids out in Bozeman, the guys that grew up on a split operation with cattle and with crops, and so I was kind of the odd duck, I guess you could say, um, just just growing crops. But you know, we all were all involved in ag, and so we all kind of understood and appreciated each other in in our own little shape and form even if we did give each other a bad time <laughs> that's, that's what makes it fun when we can give each other a bad time so so you were you always thinking of coming back to your family place um that was kind of the the, the end goal i guess you could say was to always end up back here i mean i'd hate to see the the work of well both sides of my family i'm fourth generation on both sides so i'd, I'd hate to see the work of two families basically be wasted um, and that was part of my decision, but I think there's a huge opportunity up here too. You know, there's just a lot of the a lot of the farmers that are my dad's age, or they want to retire. I think so. And so, Megan, same question to you because now I know I'm 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 from a ranch family, and but but I'm a female. I I, I don't know. It wasn't really presented as an idea to me, or as a, as a potential possibility that it would be me that might come back. Tell us about you. Did you feel? feel pressure potentially or even guilt not to come back to your farm? I know you guys have, have already laid out a plan where you're going to lease it out, but, but but tell us about what that was like growing up and um, thinking about future succession for the farm. Yeah, I um, there wasn't really the pressure for um, myself or my sisters to come back, but I think that there, there was like a sense of guilt kind of in the last few years and me coming back and spending a little bit more time on the farm that um, that I wasn't coming in to help out and stepping in. So what I did with that was share stories about it so that I felt like I was helping in some way. But, um, but yeah, that, it, it was a difficult transition. I think it's, it's really emotional when the, we, you know, pass the baton on to the next generation. It feels like the end of a chapter for sure. 
Absolutely. Well, when we come back from this short news break, we're going to uh, explore what what the parents and grandparents may have felt about these decisions and and maybe some tips for the rest of us in some succession planning. We'll uh, pause right now. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Welcome back to Voices of Montana. Again, this is your guest host for the day, Courtney Kibble-White. And we are covering a sort of a sort of a heartfelt issue today surrounding succession planning in rural Montana. Uh, we started with Megan Torgerson, who she hosts a podcast called Reframing Rural. And we've brought in a, a friend who was on the podcast as well, Tanner Jorgensen. And, and Tanner now farms on a, a fourth generation grain farm in northeastern Montana. So Tanner and, and Megan and Tanner, we can start with you. Curious, curious to hear what what did your parents and grandparents talk to you about in regards to the planning of what what will happen next on the farm, or or was that ever discussed in your family? Because I know sometimes communication can be the hardest part. So so Tanner, we'll start with you. Well, I guess we just kind of sat down and chatted about it. It was it's not an easy topic to discuss by any means, but. It was easier for us since I'm the only one here. Um, they, there's not really a whole lot of other people to to succeed. My parents and, and no brothers uh, or sisters, Tanner. No, okay. none. Yep. I, I always figure that mom and dad stopped at the perfect child. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask them if that's true. <laughs> well, I'll plead the fifth awesome. on that one. <laughs> um, but a lot of it is just communicating. Um, we kind of sat down and dad and I talked, or mom and dad and I talked about where they would like to be in three years, in five years, and it, does dad want to keep renting ground? Does he want to farm the stuff he owns? Does he want to rent the stuff he owns to me? Um, and so that was a lot of our succession planning is just kind of laying it out and going through the nitty-gritty of it. And do you remember those conversations with your grandparents as well? Or were they, yes, were they uh, a part we, we of this discussion? We just had them here not too long ago. Okay, uh-huh. Uh, um, well, when my grandma and grandpa Jorgensen sat my, my dad and his siblings down, they said, this is what's going to happen. If you don't like it, well, that's just too bad. <laughs> and um, so we recently had the same visit with my mother's parents. Um, you know, they sat us down, this is what's going to happen. Um, do you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, any places that we can change it? And it was really more of a uh, conversation rather than just uh, direction. Gotcha. So you, you got to be a, a part of the conversation, it sounds like. Yeah, and I think that's, that's important because you, you know, you might not, I might not have the same ideals that my parents do or the same goals that my parents do. And so it's, it's you got to have a conversation like that, I think. Now, do you feel like you're the, the norm as far as talking about succession amongst your, you know, your friends and their families or, or, or what do you think is, is, is your, um, is, is what's happened in your family, is that something you see across families, or is it unique? Um, I'm not going to say it's unique, but it, it's not something that happens in every place, even though I think it should. Um, we, we, we have a unique situation just because there's, no, there's nobody else. It's just me, 
and it was a little bit easier where when you have to talk about succession planning with multiple siblings or cousins who are involved or something like that, it's a little bit more complicated of a conversation to have, especially if you know, two brothers or, or two siblings want to come back to the farm. Is that going to be enough for each of them, or are they going to be able to work together? Right, because you hear so many stories of, of people, or even just shoot at conventions, I, I hear people saying, you know, gosh, I, my, my, my granddad or my dad's in his 80s, and we still haven't had that conversation, and we're, we're trying to figure it out, and I mean, it's, it's hard as I think about it. I mean, really, to have that conversation, you have to confront your own mortality. You probably have to confront your own finances, um, even have to involve the experts from the accountants and the lawyers, and that may not be that fun. Was, was that part of your process as well, kind of getting those other, other groups involved? Yeah, we actually did a, a succession planning workshop through Northwest Farm Credit in Sydney, and it really kind of laid a lot of things out for us on what we need to, well, not necessarily what we need to do, but what we need to have Tanner, a conversation Tanner, I'm going to pause you right there because I want to hear more about that, uh, that conversation. We've got a, a quick break and we'll hear more on Voices of Montana right after this. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. We're back on Voices of Montana. You don't get Tom Schultz today. He will be back on Thursday. This is Courtney Kibble-White with Northern Ag Network that is uh, filling in. And I'm, I'm grateful to get to fill in because we get to talk about something that's that's certainly close to my family's heart. And that's succession planning in, in rural Montana. We're talking to Megan Torgerson and Tanner Jorgensen. Uh, note to self not to get any more rhyming guest names there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Tanner, you were telling us about a seminar you went to on succession planning and some of the things that you picked up. Uh, please share more. I guess all I really have to say about it is is have the conversation. Um, go to those planning seminars like that. Um, maybe you won't get told exactly what to do, but they have a good groundwork or good base for you to go off of just to have that conversation with your parents or your grandparents or whomever, even your neighbor if you're trying to... Um, start farming with your neighbor something like that it's it's absolutely worth the time any any specific tips that you uh, that you picked up from that or you know maybe that you experienced in your own conversations do talk about this don't talk about that or, or anything of that sort you know nothing really i mean you you do need to face your own mortality and and go through kind of well life to be honest with you and it's kind of a hard conversation to have but it is necessary Sure. Well, in in our family, and I'll, and I'll just share, we we've seen it done well, and we've seen it done not well. And and one of the things that made it not go well from my granddad's to my dad's generation is we didn't really get it addressed until my granddad got Alzheimer's, and he just wasn't in his right mind. So you know, you think about that loss of of being able to have a conversation, and then you're always questioning: Would he have made those same decisions if it were you know ten years before? So even just by the fact that we we didn't have it set up. It, I mean, it really, really hurt the family and we almost lost the place. So I know that can happen too. 
But but want to want to turn it over to, to Megan now too because she did a whole podcast on reframing rural. You should definitely check it out. It's it's pretty personal and some some great advice in there. But so Megan, how did that succession planning conversation happen in in your family? Yeah, well, my parents um, we did a workbook together from MSU Extension. So all of my siblings and I filled it out, and then they filled it out, and it was basically like, what do you want for the future of the farm? And that workbook is great if you have non-farming children or farming children. Um, And then we all came together over Zoom and went through our answers together. I think we spent four hours over Zoom talking through the potential future and getting on the same page. Um, And then my parents met with lawyers and accountants and um, kind of got, got the whole plan going. And I know that took several years and um, when I also did the podcast episode, I interviewed Laura Christofferson, um, a lawyer based in Culbertson, and she gave some great advice that when families are thinking of bringing um, a kid into the operation, that they should start talking about that as soon as the, the next person coming on is even considering it, probably before they even move home, um, so they can really plan for, like, do they need off-farm income or... Um, are we going to later need to hire in some more labor? That was an issue that um, Terry Ondick, who I also interviewed for that episode, discussed. Like, um, that will be something that the next generation really needs in northeastern Montana is to hire additional help. As, um, you know, when my dad was farming, he would do harvest with um, his brother and my cousin. And then when um, back when my grandpa was still alive, you know, my grandpa was involved with that. And there's now just kind of less, less family members a lot of times kind of what I'm seeing to help with with harvest and help with the farm cycle and so a lot of people are having to hire uh, hire out different um, people to come in maybe that's just for the farming season if they're farming and ranching or what have you Um, but it's good to start talking about those things early and my parents were very transparent in what they wanted and um, really gave us the space to to weigh in and I think I'm really glad that my parents were as communicative as, as they were, and, and I advise any family to, to do that because I think it really um, saves some, some family trouble in the long end if you, uh, if you decide to talk about it as it's happening. So. Yeah, well, well. before we move on, I, I do invite any callers, if you've got a specific succession story or tip, you're welcome to call in and share it. It's 866-627-543. You can call in or or just text me at 781-627-5483. I'm happy to happy to pitch those questions over to uh, to Tanner and, and Megan here. So, Megan, I have to ask, you mentioned your folks retired from farming. That concept mm-hmm. seems so novel in my family and and can be in agriculture in general and maybe it's maybe it's you know people financially can't do it or what have you but you know that's something that I I do feel like um, folks have to think about yeah so my uh, my parents farmed and ranched and then about 12 years ago we sold our cattle herd and then um, like I said at the end of this last farm season my my dad retired and he turned um, 70 in June and my mom turned 70 in December and um, so they now live out most of the year in Missoula and we still have the farm and the farmhouse but um, yeah I think that they all of their kids have left the area and so they're they're closer to their grandkids in Missoula now and um, I know that's that's such a foreign concept for some families who like my grandpa for instance, he moved to Williston to be closer to like hospitals and stuff, but I think he was 85 or, or so, and really was like, I think we had to tell him like, grandpa, I don't think you can run the combine anymore. You know, like he, 
he really wanted to be out there all the time. So um, it, it'll be an interesting transition. I think it'll be different for my dad when he's not seating and like not part of, I don't, I don't know if it's hit him yet. <laughs> but isn't but part of the point that you can't start planning for retirement if you don't even think about it or have the, the conversation. And I mean, you can keep buying seed and planting and harvesting and go through the cycle, but if it is, you know, something that you could consider it, we gotta, we gotta start that conversation somewhere. So Megan, I have to ask you too, you, you said you're leasing ground to a cousin was, how did that come about? Is, is that something that was always an option or, cause I can imagine your dad probably went through a period where, Maybe after the, maybe after you were born, the fourth daughter of what's going to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm convinced that I was. Um, they were hoping that I'd be a boy, but <laughs> um, yeah. So my cousin's my age, and uh, he was really you know raised to be a farmer, and he's a great farmer. And he's um, I'm 31, he's 32, and he has been back in Dagmar for about a decade. And um, so I think it was. Yeah, it was always a given. Like, he does a great job. He's part of the family. And so um, I'm, I think that I'm not sure when my dad kind of, like, started having real conversations with him. But, um, but yeah, so we were leasing most of our ground to him. And there's, like, one piece of property in North Dakota that's pretty far east that my dad's leasing out to someone who um, lives in North Dakota. But most of it, my cousin's taking over. And we're really grateful that he's farming and keeping um, farming in the family. So. So I have a text here and I'm and uh, it says, do you have any advice for people who have multiple siblings on a farm? Do mm. either of you have any uh, any thoughts about that? Tanner, we can start um, with you. I know you're probably speaking more from uh, from friends versus your own experience as an only child. But, uh, you know, it's hard for me to to say on that because I don't have to deal with that, which is kind of nice, actually. Um <laughs> But the friends that I do have, I got a couple friends out west that the oldest brother is farming with, with uh, his dad, and then the younger one is working somewhere else. Uh, he's still involved in ag, but he's still doing something different. I guess the, the biggest thing is just to sit down maybe with your siblings, sit down with your parents, and visit about it. Do both of you want to come back and farm? If so, what do you need to make a living off of that? Right, just just getting that open communication out there. Megan, did did um, you? I guess you mentioned you and your your three sisters all filled out that survey from MSU Extension. Any other uh, thoughts that you got? Because on your podcast, it seemed you also interviewed a lawyer. Um, yeah. Did they give you guys any additional feedback about? Because because you're right, if it's one generation moving to a next, the, the implied question is there. What what's fair when there's multiple siblings and you know fair is kind of a con- human constructed concept anyways. So so what do you think about that? That's a great question, and I think that Laura Laura Christofferson we spent like over an hour together, and she talked about different um, arrangements and different circumstances. Um, it, it is interesting, like Tanner, you know, is the only one, and then I'm one of four girls, and none of us are taking over, so it's kind of a different scenario. But I would say I think Tanner's advice of talking about it with your parents and and really taking advantage of any resources, like maybe it would be helpful to have that conversation with a lawyer too, who could like really provide counsel, like a therapist would almost of like, you know, helping you think through what do you need in order to make that feasible. Um, I think there's a lot of great farm succession resources out there, just like Tanner and I have mentioned. Um, I also know One Montana, which is a nonprofit, um, is aggregating a bunch of resources to help families navigate succession. 
Um, and also, like, Women in Ranching is putting on an, uh, an event around succession stories. So maybe it's helpful to find someone who has kind of a similar arrangement to you, and you could ask them, like, what worked, what didn't work, um, at what stage did you bring in a lawyer or an accountant? I think that um, could be really helpful to get different perspective from, from someone who's navigated that kind of arrangement. That's a great point. And I actually know of, of two additional uh, seminars coming up. One in, in Dillon next week, I believe Taylor Brown, my dad, is going to be facilitating a panel on succession planning. And and another one in Winnet, our friend uh, Bob Lee is going to be leading a panel talking about that. So I'm glad to see the, this topic uh, moving to the forefront. We're going to take our final break with Voices of Montana and come back and wrap it up here on Voices of Montana. Does your home qualify for a $70 discount on your internet bill? Blackfoot Communications is proud to partner with the FCC to help ensure that households can afford the broadband necessary for work, school, healthcare, and more. For more information on this federal program and to see if your household qualifies for a discount on your internet service, visit goblackfoot.com ACP. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. We're back on Voices of Montana. I'm your guest host, Courtney Kibble-White. I've enjoyed speaking to Megan Torgerson today, podcast host of Reframing Rural, and Tanner Jorgensen, fourth-generation grain farmer from northeastern Montana. You guys, as we've been talking about succession planning, I can't help, and, and, and maybe, this, maybe this is why I picked this topic, but to think about the impact of succession planning on our own on our own health, even on, on, I think about how is if you're farm and ranching people, or I don't know, maybe, maybe your family's an auto dealer or, or some identity attached to your family, then, then that's a lot to think about in terms of your own personal future. And, and what happens if you don't make it? What happens if there's a couple bad years and, you know, do you let down your entire family? Do you guys think, do you guys agree? Is there, is there an element of, um, you know, identity in this, in this whole conversation? How do you, how do you deal with that, Tanner? You know, I think you're right. There is an element of identity. I mean, for example, we're a fourth generation, and I hope to pass it on to the fifth someday. But at the same time, for me, it wasn't, I didn't want to come back solely because that's what my great-grandfather and my grandfather did. I wanted to come back because it's something I wanted to do, Things, that, something that makes me happy, something that enriches my life and um, enriches my health even. So that's that's a lot of, a big part of the conversation to have right there is, are you doing this for your ancestors, or are you doing it for you? Meg, what do you think? Do you see that um, th- that succession planning can kind of <laughs> bleed into that identity? And if if you don't watch out, I mean that that can really um, you know that can take your thoughts in a negative direction. If you're thinking about the future and where am I going to be and what am I worth if I'm if I'm not attached to this land? Absolutely, and I'm <clears throat> so glad that Tanner um, came to to farming on his own. And <clears throat> excuse me. Um, wasn't like, didn't feel that pressure in coming into it. I think for the, the farmer who's retiring, um, like what they might be thinking, you know, what, yeah, what, a, what a, is my worth if I'm not farming or who am I without this such a strong piece of my identity or for a family at large, like to, to not be farming anymore. I think that that's a really big part of the family story. Um, and then I think for the, the new farmer who's coming on, there's a lot of stress involved in maybe taking on more ground or having to hire on more folks to, to help fill in the operation who might not be family, who you might have to um, train about, you know, this piece of land or this piece of equipment or what have you. And 
Um, so one of the episodes I have coming out this season, it'll be the end of May, is with a wellness coach from Lewistown, uh, Montana, Lisa Williams. And we'll be talking about just different ways to um, prevent stress or, you know, just to manage stress. And I'm also excited, Courtney, to bring you on to that podcast as well and talk to you, to you about Beyond the Weather and resources that farmers and producers can use to um, address mental health concerns and really, you know, be, um, just manage stress so that, that they can go about their day-to-day lives um, without ca- carrying such a heavy load because farmers do so much for us. And so I'm, I'm really just looking to highlight, you know, what can we do for them? How can we ease the burden a little bit? That's so exciting. And I'm so excited to be on your podcast. That'll be really, really fun. And I hope you don't pay me back too hard for how I've treated you here. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully it's good. But um, no, those are great, um, great topics. What what else do you have coming up this season, Megan? Um, My next episode is with two Blackfeet nonprofits, Pecani Lodge Health Institute and Fast Blackfeet. And we'll be talking about um, their new um, fast, excuse me, Pecani Lodge Health Institute's new Climate Smart Commodities Program, um, where they're helping producers to really create plans for um, how to, you know, prepare for drought and um, just take care of their grasslands. And um, and then Fast Blackfeet also has a food bank and a diabetes prevention program, and they're teaching people um, how to grow their own gardens and different teas and so on. And so I'm really excited um, for that episode that's coming out. And then I'm also joining Latrice Totsi and potentially Danielle Antelope too, who are with those two nonprofits for a conversation for women in ranching's um, confluence virtual gathering. Wow. Um, Well, I would encourage the entire audience to go ahead and head to reframing rural um, to dot org Megan's website or go ahead and uh, check out that podcast the the range of issues I know we talked a lot of farming and ranching today but it but it truly is incredible and makes you so proud to be from this state everyone from Voices of Montana I'm Courtney Kibblewhite thank you Cody Ross as the producer have a wonderful day you've been listening to Voices of Montana Comments and opinions heard are those of the host or callers and not necessarily those of this station, sponsors, or Northern News Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 9.06 for Voices of Montana.